Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. On May the 11th. 2017 from Coolidge, Arizona. Thank you for tuning in tonight. We're in chapter 20 of the book of Revelation. Next week will be a pickup night. We will finish the chapter tonight if all goes well. And, uh, and then this next fall, why we'll finish chapters 21 and 22, which we've already gone through at the beginning of this course, which was about 130 classes ago. And but we'll go back and review them now and uh, bring them back into perspective. <clears throat> so we're, in, we're looking at verses 11 through 15 tonight. If you have the notes, the notes start with verse 11, uh, 12. But we want to go back one verse. Before we do that, <clears throat> remember what Matthew 15, 24 says? Who knows? We'll have it. Who Who? who who has a clue without looking it up? Alex is looking it up. <laughs> that way, so we need, to, we need to understand what Matthew 15, 24. Now, all I'm going to do now is present an idea. <clears throat> that the book of Revelation, uh, this is relating to what's going on in the book of Revelation. So, in... Chapter 15 and verse, um, what is it, 24? He answered and said, I was sent. Then there's that great big word there, which is what? Only. Only. I was sent. I was what? Sent. Sent what? Only. Only. You folks are getting nerved. I mean, you're getting gutsy here. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And I want that to sink in. We've been through that before. Now, when we go to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, it says this is the revelation belonging to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to whom? Lost sheep of Israel. To the lost sheep or to the house of Israel, and the book of Revelation belongs to whom? Jesus Christ. And it's the revelation that belongs to him, and because he came to whom? To the to a lost tribe, to, to, uh, to Israel, only to the house of Israel. Therefore, this revelation belonging to him is going to relate to whom? The house of Israel. You see how that fits together? It's just another one of those things of the beauty of the harmony of Scripture if we let it speak to us. Now, <clears throat> in verse 11 of our text, of um, chapter 20, 
Then I saw a great white throne. Now we, we discussed this last week, but I need to get it to put us in order because it's the beginning of this paragraph. And him who sat upon it and whose presence the earth, remember that last week? There's an article there, folks. The earth and the heaven fled away. We know from the book of Revelation that the earth and the heaven is because of the article is talking about something specific and is therefore referring to what? Mm-hmm. Judah and Jerusalem. To the land of and to the uh, temple of Israel. Right down there. You can see it. The earth, the heaven. And no place. I like the English pronunciation here, but it's really ook. It looks like ouch, but it's a hard ch. This this is like a k, ook. And place, no place found for them, found for the earth and the heaven, which represent whom and what? Judah and Jerusalem. So, folks, we have now the removal, total and complete removal of the earth, the heaven, representing Judah and Jerusalem and the law, the temple, and they fled away. No longer. All gone. Bye-bye. History. No place. No crook, no cranny, no crack, nowhere could they go because they were history. They fled away, no hiding place. And we have so many of our religions today that are keep looking for them or keep thinking that they have a handle on it. Folks, if God says they're gone, they're gone. Let's just let it be that way. So in a review on the, on the notes, in verse at the top of the page, reviewing verse 11, number one, the timing of the judgment is firmly established at the end of the Mosaic Age. <clears throat> when Christ came in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels, we all understand that now, but I want to go and reinforce it with Matthew 16, 27, and 28. <clears throat> 27 and 28 of Matthew 16 for the son of man is going to come in the glory of his father with the angels and then will repay every man to according to his deeds truly I say to you there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the son of man coming in his kingdom You can't separate those two verses. They belong together. That should be clear. Let's go to chapter 24 and verse 3 of Matthew. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, 
And they said, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your presence and of the end of the age. Not the end of the world, but the end of that age. Now with that having been said, let's move down to verse 34. You know what it says, Mm -hmm. but in case some may not have been following. Truly, truly, I say to you, this generation, that always refers to the group of people then living, will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So who is heaven and earth that will pass away? Judah and Jerusalem. Now that brings us back to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 18, where Jesus said something very similar to that much earlier in his ministry. Chapter 5 and verse 18. And Neil reminded me of this last week. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest stroke or or the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is what? The key there is until all is accomplished, and then what will happen to heaven and earth when all things are accomplished? They will pass away. And so we have in chapter 11 the passing away of that heaven and earth, and that tells us that all things written in the law have been accomplished. David? Yes. Back to Matthew 16, 27, and 28. There where it says, every man. Yes. I I don't think we can take that beyond every Jewish man. Oh, I'm going to deal with that coming up here real quick. Yeah, that's one of our points here. But in case I forget it, remind me of it before the end of the class. Okay. And by the way, that's in both of those verses in Matthew, it's the heaven and the earth. That's right. Thank you. I was going to say it, but I wasn't sure. <clears throat> but we see, in both cases, it's the heaven and the earth. And so that's, that should be clear. It's the same thing as here, and he sees them pass away, and then, then there's the judgment. So the timing of the judgment, the timing of the judgment that we're talking about here, and that Neil is, is going to ask me to kind of develop that a little bit here, uh, is firmly established at the end of that age, of the Mosaic age, when Christ came, as we read in Matthew 16, 27, and 28, in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. <clears throat> and we have that taking place right now in our text. Now, the second thing in review of where we were last week is that Jesus placed the great tribulation, the abomination of desolation, and the judgment at the destruction of Jerusalem. <clears throat> Let's read a couple of verses there quickly in Matthew 24 and verse 15. <clears throat> Let me repeat, repeat that again. He placed the great tribulation or the consummation, the ending of the great tribulation and the abomination of desolation and the judgment at the destruction of Jerusalem. Let's see that tied together. In Matthew 24 and verse 15, when you see the abomination of desolation, which is spoken of through Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, when you see that, when you see that taking place, now slither down to verse 21, 
for then there will be a great tribulation. So they're all tied together, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Is that clear? clear. That's pretty clear. Now go to chapter 25, and let me read verses uh, 31 through 33. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, well, we know the rest of that story. So <clears throat> here, here we have the, the great tribulation, the abomination of desolation, and the judgment at the destruction of Jerusalem. We probably ought to go to Daniel 12 and read verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. Does that kind of ring a bell? And at that time, your people. Whose people? The Jewish people. The Jewish people. Daniel's people. Everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. We're going to talk about the book here in just a few minutes. That's a part of Neil's question. And many of those who, are, uh, who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. <clears throat> and let's go now to verses 11 and 12 of the same book. <clears throat> from that time, the regular, from, the, from the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished, and the abomination. Oh, did Jesus talk about the abomination? Oh, yeah. He did. The abomination of desolation is set up. There will be 1,290 days. Uh, that's from the regular, when the regular sacrifice is abolished. And I gave you a chart tonight on that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we'll look at that in just a moment. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1,335 days. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But as for you, you go your way to the end, then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. at the end of the age. Daniel was going to be raised at the end of the Jewish age. He was. Now, <clears throat> let's look at that little chart. This from, this is from Kurt Simmons, from one of his books, and I'm not sure which one right now. <clears throat> it may be from his book on Revelation, but I caught this by accident, and I'm not going to go over it because a lot—I mean, over it thoroughly because a lot of people don't have access to access to it tonight. But he has a little chart here that he has Caesar's sacrifice refused, the third of Ab. That's a Jewish time, A.D. 66. See the see that left vertical line. <clears throat> and then 1,290 days brings us from um, Titus marches from Alexandria, the third of Adar, A.D. 69, and assembles the army at Caesarea. 
This established camp at Jerusalem, Titus establishes the camp at Jerusalem the 18th of Nisan, A.D. 70. <clears throat> That's the 1,335 days to Titus's camp, 1,290 days to um, the first setting up of the camp, and so there's a 45-day difference. And then I under I have yellow put in yellow down below that chart the 45-day difference between the 1335 days and the 1290 days was the time it took Titus to assemble his forces. So that's the difference in that the 1290 to the 1335. <clears throat> Any questions on that? <clears throat> well, we just got. You can read more, and there's you know there's more pages to that. I just kind of cut and paste there to get a visual. <clears throat> so that's how he interprets that, and I think it's it's likely to be quite accurate. <clears throat> so that those two things are very critical, folks. The timing of the judgment is firmly established at the end of the Mosaic Age. Christ came in the glory of his Father with the holy angels at the end of the Jewish Age. Secondly, Jesus placed the great tribulation in the abomination of desolation and the judgment at the destruction of Jerusalem. <clears throat> no doubt about it. Um, <clears throat> now, we read on down in the notes until the great consummation at A.D. 70. The church still is in expectation, not possession, of its inheritance as the sons of God. And that's why there's so many times where it's about to be revealed, about to take place. This is about to happen. And the English doesn't, uh, doesn't bring to us that little mellow. The Greek word is mellow um, or mela. Uh, and uh, it means about to take place. <clears throat> and so even though we would think that it all took place at the founding of Acts, the foundation was all laid there, but the the consummation of it and the possession of it really didn't get fulfilled until the uh, uh, AD 70. So the Jews and the Gentiles groaned and travailed together in pain, looking for the adoption and the redemption of their collective body. If we ought to take time for Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8. Now, in case uh, you weren't here earlier, I mentioned that next week we will be, it will be our last session, and I intend to deal with the thousand-year, some of the questions regarding the thousand-year that, that I uh, have mentioned before. That's my intent to do next week, if all goes well. Um, in Romans 8:19, for the anxious, I better read. I better start with verse um, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, that is, when as Paul is writing to whom? The church at Rome. 
of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is, uh uh-oh, about to be revealed to us. See the word? Right there. See that word? That's mellow. That means which is about, about to take place, about to be revealed. <clears throat> For the... They sure didn't translate that well, did they? No. Not at all. That puts it into, you know, any time in the future. <clears throat> well, it is in the future, but this, the word mellow means not far. Near future. It's to be near future. And it's the same thing is said in Galatians 3.23, that the word mellow is there, uh, used there with the same kind of thought. But we won't go there for now. For verse, verse 19, For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Folks, that didn't take place until 70 A.D. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, Even we, the apostles ourselves, groan within ourselves, waiting, 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 eagerly for the adoption as son, the redemption of our, plural, collective body. Now, isn't that what I just said earlier? And that explains one of the more difficult sections in the book of Romans. And you got it in a breeze. Without that viewpoint, you struggle with that and struggle with it, and you can't come up with anything real. That's verse 11. Now let's go to verse 12, which is in our notes for tonight. And I saw the dead. And by the way, Lana, you may not remember this, but you, on the Christmas card this year, you put a little note in there. And you're probably just being nice. I know how you are. (laughs) She wrote a little note in there on the Christmas card from the church this year. You make things clear. Now, I don't feel like I always get things clear. But, you know, that was a real source of motivation. I thank you for that. Just that little statement meant a lot. Remember that? You mean a lot to us. and You do make things clear. Yes, I do. Yeah, well, you see, I thought it probably would. I, I put, made a note of it. That little, that little tiny note. You make things clear. See, that reminded me that that's what I need to do, and I don't always get it done. And that you all have to help. So in verse twelve, <clears throat> I saw the dead, and you're not in. You're not in this. Now I'm going to say right now that in verse twelve. I believe, and I'm going to tell you why. And I think that in this next three, two, three verses here, I'm going to answer your question, but if I miss it, bring it up again, will you? I saw the dead. I believe that he's talking here about the Jewish dead. 
and I'm going to tell you why. Just be patient. I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. Of course, you know, the language doesn't indicate that they were in body bodily form. He just saw the dead. And they were... They had uh, they had arised and were taking a stand before the throne, but not bodily. No, no suggestion that they this was bodily. And the books were opened. Now remember that little phrase. And the books were opened. We'll come back to it. And an, <coughs> and another book was opened. I don't know what kind of a library God's got. got three books in it, though. But he's got at least three books. Yeah. <laughs> and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged, the Jewish dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. I have one book that says that's only referring to the dead who were wicked. I don't buy that. So, in verse 12, I have a note. With the passage of the old world order, remember, the passing of the earth and the heaven... Representing all of all of Judaism, with the passage of the old world order, the way was open for the resurrection of the dead. And I say I have a misspelled word there to be resurrection of the dead. There does there does not appear to be any physical body involved in this at all. We can read some passages later on, but I want to come. I want to keep moving right now. From the thing, so the dead were judged from the things which are written in the books according to their deeds. Now, with that said, let's go to verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead. Now, I believe that's representing the Gentile world. Isn't it the Gentile world that it has been referring to in other portions of the book so far? This is this, this is the all of the people outside of Israel. When the beast came out of the sea, it had had its origin with the masses. So the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and I believe that's referring to the Gentile dead, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. So you have... The Jewish world, you have the Gentile world, and you have all that is represented in death and the Hades giving up all their dead. Three enormous groups of people. Now, the reason that I believe this verse 13 particularly in the first part of it here and the sea gave up the dead which were in it 
and death in Hades, probably here referring to Tara specifically, gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their what? What's different between this and verse 12? You tell me. All right. Now, who who had the scrolls? The Jews. The Jews. You're right on. You got it. So here, what's missing in verse 13? From what we just talked about in verse 12. The books. They had no books. They weren't judged according to the law. See? That's why I'm suggesting, contrary to all of the authors that I've read, that this is the difference between the Jew and the Gentile, is that the Jews were judged by the the things which were written in the books. But 13, these folks didn't have any books. They had no revelation of God. They were simply judged according to what they did with what they knew. Now, what book in the Bible deals with that? Chapter 1 of Romans deals with that. They were, a, they were a law unto themselves, an unwritten law unto themselves. I'm not sure just what verse that's in. But the Jews being a law unto themselves or the Gentiles? The Gentiles. Yeah, yeah that's in Romans. And that would be verse 14 of chapter 2. I said, I said chapter 1, but it's yeah. chapter 2. <clears throat> but when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the earth, these have, not having the law are a law unto themselves. That's uh, Romans chapter 2 and verse 14. They show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternating, accusing, or else defending them. On the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus, and that's talking about the time we're in right now in Revelation. Isn't it? I don't think you can avoid it. Did I miss my point, or is it made? That's Romans 2, and by the way, I didn't have that as a note. David. It should be clear, because to the best of my knowledge, no other judgment is ever mentioned. No, not, not collective judgment. Right. That's right. Good, that's right on. This has to be the fulfillment of Romans 1, and then Romans chapter 8, which we read, you know, about to be revealed. Talking about the same thing, the same time frame. So here, with the passage of the old world order, the the way was open for the resurrection of the dead. And that resurrection of the dead referred to all of the Jews and all of the Gentiles. And everything that had died and had been a participant in death and Hades. Now, here you have the emptying of death and Hades. 
death in Hades, gave up everything. Huh? Everything they had. Everything they had was given up. That would include Jews and or Gentiles, if depending on whether Hades is restricted to Tartarus here or Tartarus and Abraham's bosom. But either way, everything was given up. Hades means both. And Hades can be and Hades usually includes both. Right. And it doesn't say Hades. It doesn't say anything else. It doesn't say anything else. This is the Hades. So here you have the emptying of death and Hades. Well, no. Can you visualize that? You have the place of abandoned spirits of all those who have died under the law, not under the law. Everyone who has died has gone into holding. And the righteous were held there until the blood of Christ gave them access into the presence of God because they, even though they were righteous saints, could not enter into the presence until they had been cleansed by the blood on the mercy seat. If that doesn't impact you, I don't know what will. That's the gospel, folks. And, and, And that explains... Not only the judgment, or that, yeah, not only the judgment, but it explains the time frame of the judgment. Exactly. So that that ties it ties it together, and I don't think that tie can be broken. So in in verse twelve now, in, in review real quick, we know we we're suggesting that's referring to the Jews. Why? Because they have something to be judged by besides their deeds. They have a book. It's also those that have died, though. These are are all those who have died. The dead ones. These are all the dead ones who have died. It only mentions the books when it comes to the Jews. It It doesn't mention the books when it comes to the Gentiles. But in both cases, they're judged by their deeds. But in each case, they're judged by the, their deeds. And Romans 2 tells us that you know, they, they did things instinctively. So right. It's, so it's judgment by their adhesion to the law in one case, and it's judgment by adhesion to their conscience in the other. That's right. That's right. And that's kind of what it says. They do instinctively. The Gentiles, which do not have the law, do instinctively. There's an instinct to man on the positive side. On the positive side. The things of the law, these not having the law, they are a law unto themselves. That is, it provides them with a self in a self consciousness. <clears throat> and to me, only one writing with the mind of Christ could could write those words. Because Paul, Saul, would have not known that. He would not have known that. Sure wouldn't know it before the road to Damascus. No. What a great source of uh, inspirational uh, authorship here. Yeah. That's a great verse. So, <clears throat> so now we have what? What's the condition now of death and Hades at, at the end of verse thirteen? 
is empty. And then destroyed. And then in verse 14. So now they're empty. They have no inhabitants. The same thing that happens to God when we break them into two parts. That's right. <laughs> yeah, he's empty. He has, he's, he's a nothing. So death and Hades were now, now that they are emptied, what can happen to them? We can throw them away. And, and that then, the destruction of, of death and Hades, having been emptied, were thrown into the lake of fire. They were thrown into the lake of fire empty. No longer will they be needed. No longer a part of the system. Is this when Daniel is Daniel's raised for this judgment? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And Nolan has asked, in case you didn't hear it, folks, has asked if, if that's when Daniel was raised. That's what Daniel chapter twelve, verse twelve says, that he would be raised at the end of the age, and this is as close to the end of the age as you can get. This was it. Heaven and earth have been removed, and death and Hades where Daniel had to take his residence in paradise or in Abraham's bosom, now he's been emptied and he is a part of verse 12. So death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. That's the second death, the lake of fire. Now we'd like for it to stop there. We'd like for it to all go away there. So in verse 14, no one, or let me ask it differently, what was thrown into the lake of fire in verse 14? Death and Hades. Who was in them? No one. You got it right. That's verses 12 and 13. Everybody had come out of them. They were standing before the great throne, both Jew and Gentile alike, both those who were going to be judged according to the things in the books and those who were going to be judged according to their, um, how they had, what they had done with what they knew their own conscience. And that's Romans 2.14. Now what in verse 15? Now if anyone's name was not found into the, was not found written in the book of life, the Jews, according to their deeds, according to the book that had been revealed to them. The Gentiles, 
according to their deeds, without a book, without a revelation. If anyone's name, Jew or Gentile, was not found in the book of life, what happened? What was their destiny? The same as death in Hades. Into the lake of fire. Now, I don't, I don't know whether that's not intended probably to be literal. But when the old covenant Israel is gone, the distinction between the Jews and the Gentiles is gone as well. That distinction is gone. Verse 14, death and Hades were the last enemies to be destroyed. Let's read those verses. We're almost out of time. Does it seem like it? We started on time, didn't we, tonight? Um, All right, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20. A couple of verses here, and and then our time will be about gone. Um, So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26. The last enemy that will be destroyed or will be abolished is Baskin Robbins. (laughs) Oh, is that what how yours read? No. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. Probably death is here used, being used um, uh, including both death and Hades. I don't I think from this point on we're going to be thinking of them as being equal to each other. The death. The death will be destroyed. The last enemy. Let's go over to first second Peter one. Second Timothy one, I think it is. Second Timothy chapter one, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death. And I might add here there's a I guess I'm gonna take time to deal with it. Um, <clears throat> that word appearing Let's, can we get to the Greek on that verse? <clears throat> and then, then we'll be about done for the night. Do we... Um, no, I just was... Um, okay. On account of, and there, that word by is not there... Um, can we go up just to, I need this line up here. All right. It is made manifest, but now on account of the appearing, and there that's not a verb. It's a noun. It's a, uh, what's that? I don't know why they translated it like a verb, but you see, it's not a verb. It's on account of the appearing which is a state of being of our Savior, of, of our Savior, 
uh, our, the, the, the Christ Jesus belonging to us, who hath abolished the death and brought to life, life and immortality. So here he is speaking, projecting, I'm going to have to add for clarification purposes, he is talking about what's taking place potentially having begun by the gospel, having begun through Christ, but not fully realized until what event? The fall of Jerusalem, who has, have now has been revealed, made known on account of the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. He abolished death and brought to life and immortality, brought life and immortality to light or to non understanding, to knowledge through the gospel. So this is the heart of the gospel is that in the gospel there is life and immortality. Jesus brought that to light. He brought that to our understanding. But it didn't get realized until the fall of Jerusalem and the dismissing of all of the old world order. So in verse 15, in conclusion tonight, so concludes the general resurrection. From this resurrection at the end of the Jewish age, at the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, the general resurrection is over. Now there is no longer a general resurrection to look forward to. When you die, you go to God. It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Each person goes directly to judgment upon death. And it is determined, his destiny is determined by his relationship to Christ. So, that concludes the general resurrection and and the judgment which had been anticipated all the way from Genesis 3.15 by David, by Daniel. It was not the end of the world, but of an age. It was not the end of the material universe, but it was the end of the universal reign of sin and death. Till we meet again, it's been good having all of you with us tonight. Let us pray. Father, we are thankful for the clarity of this judgment and that death and hell no longer await us on this side, but that we go directly to you for our judgment, and that's determined by our relationship to Christ and his church. Father, may we be true to what brings us to the right destiny. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.